This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Liz, you're going to finally be meeting all of these people that we've just been Zooming with. You're going to actually meet them in person. I know. They're going to find out what I look like without the touch-up-my-appearance feature of Zoom. (laughs) Except you're going to be wearing a mask. Oh, that's true. So they'll just see my eyes. Just bring good mascara. (laughs) Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. and currently Minnesota. And with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, we're going to talk about pressure from all sides, which we are definitely feeling right now. Then we have a listener question about the details of making a show. Usually we do hits and bombs, but this week we're focusing on the positive and doing two hits. And this week's Hollywood hack is so not a big deal, while also being a total game changer. (laughs) And Sarah, you have an update this week. Yes, I have my dates set to come back to L.A., which just seems like uh, like mind blowing to me. Um, Yeah, we're leaving here on March 19th. We get home on March 22nd because it's a four-day drive with the dogs and the guinea pigs and the trailer Mm -hmm. and the the whole deal. (laughs) So, yeah, we can't leave yet because we have to wait for Anna to get her second vaccine shot, which is on March 8th, which is very exciting. And I'm actually getting my second vaccine shot on March 9th. Yes, you got the vaccine. Yes. Tell us the story. Oh, my God. I just got incredibly lucky. You know, up here, there just aren't a lot of people. And so if a medical office has a cancellation on their vaccination schedule, they need an arm to put the vaccine in. So I just called and said, if you have a cancellation, I my I will drop everything and be there immediately, no matter what. And so when they had a cancellation, they called me and I was on the phone with you. I was like, oh, my God. And I like ran out of the house in my sandals because I was on Mm -hmm. the treadmill. And then I ran back in and put on boots and ran back out again. (laughs) So, yeah, so I have had the first shot and I will get the second shot on March 9th. And then I wanted to pad it a little because. Because I feel like maybe Anna and I will both not feel great for a few days. Yes. And then we'll pack and head home. And you told me it was the um, the night you got the shot was like the first night of good sleep you had since the pandemic started. Yeah. It's been a rough year <laughs> in a lot of ways. And I think as an only parent, I especially have been really like I've just had so much anxiety. So it's an indescribable relief. 
Anyway, so then we'll be back in L.A. for just over a week, most likely, and then we'll be off to Puerto Rico. So there's just a lot going on. (laughs) It's going to be a whirlwind. (laughs) Yes. So my question, Sarah, is now that you're heading home, are you glad that you went to Minnesota? Because remember, it was like this grand adventure, but you weren't sure how it was going to turn out. Yes, I'm so glad. I really am. I'm so glad that we came. Violet has absolutely loved it. This morning, we were like out on our neighbor's ice skating rink on the lake. And she wasn't ice skating. She was just sliding around in her boots <laughs> and playing with the dogs. And she has all of her dear friends that she tries to feed every day. And she has a squirrel <laughs> that she named Bernard. She's Aww. learning to ski. It's just been really fun in the midst of sort of a brutally hard year. It's been really, really nice to be here. And I mean, she keeps going, I don't want to go home. And I'm like, I, it, it must be done. I'm sorry, you know. On to new adventures. Well, you're going from snow to sun in Puerto Rico. So it's like one extreme to the next. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, Sarah, it is time for From the Treadmill Desk of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's pressure from all sides. This is something probably everyone, no matter what your industry, has experienced at some point when it's just all coming down on you. Yes. And we are, I mean, to say that it's all coming down on us, it's like the understatement of all time. Every show we've ever done, the schedule's been totally crazy, but this is a new level. Yes, because we don't have a pilot to go off of. So usually we sell a pilot, we write a pilot, then you make the pilot, then you find out if the show is going. This was straight to series, which is wonderful, but it means that at the same time that we're working on the te- like the 10 episodes, we have to write a pilot, cast, hire everybody, figure out locations, costumes. <laughs> I mean, normally so much of this has been done before you start the rest of the show, and we are doing it all at once. And it is truly like nothing we have ever experienced. And it's just going to get crazier. We haven't even started the true madness yet. (laughs) Oh, Lord. When you put it like that, it sounds terrifying. But yes, it's true. And just to contextualize, usually when we write a pilot script, one, it's the only thing we're doing. Like we've written two pilot scripts at once, and you can kind of balance that. But for the most part, it's the only thing we're doing. The entire process takes months just (laughs) figuring out the show. And then the outline goes through multiple rounds of notes. And then the script goes through multiple rounds of notes. And we have weeks to write it. And in this case, it's just we're literally writing between sessions in the writer's room and locations meetings and sitting down to dinner with Violet. And then she goes to bed and then it's like type, 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 type. It's so crazy. Yeah, because the thing is... The reason why it's like the pressure is because we can't just say, okay, everybody, let us just go off and write the script. Right. Because everyone desperately needs the script. That's the thing. To In order to cast, in order to do anything, they really need the script. But at the same time, we have to keep everything else moving forward. We can't just say, okay, we're going to go write this. We'll recommence next week. We have to keep stories moving forward because as soon as the script is done, the next one needs to be in the pipeline. Yes. No. (laughs) I keep laughing because it's all just so nuts. 
But the thing it's is, so it's all going to work out. Like, I can see the road, and it, the road yes. is is fine. It's just, I think we're going to be smashed on the road by the time we get to the end of it. Yes. I mean, and thank goodness we also have a writing staff, but it's only three people. It's a very small staff, <laughs> and yet we have two rooms going <laughs> Which seems impossible with that small of a staff. We have a wonderful freelancer, um, a couple of wonderful freelancers, both working right now at the same time. <laughs> and our assistants have also been helping out, thank goodness. It's just that it's a crazy feeling because everywhere you turn, it's like there's something you really need to be doing that's a priority. But right. you can only do one thing or maybe two at a time. Right, exactly. Um, so I guess the good news, Liz, is that we do have our shitty draft. Yay! Um, <laughs> As of last night. Although I yes. did, I texted you this morning. I said, I have it. And then I texted and said, wait a second, I might not have finished the last two scenes because <laughs> literally I was so tired. I lost all memory of having written them. But when I went back and looked, I did have them done. So we do have a shitty draft. This takes me back, Liz, to when we were on The Shield, and we were also writing, we wrote two novels while we were on The Shield, and there were times when I would read things over that I had written and go, where did this come from? Did I write this? That's It's my part of the book. <laughs> the same thing would happen to me because we had split up the characters, and I'd be like, why did Sarah write my character? I'm so confused. <laughs> I have no memory of writing it. Yeah. Well, it, that book oh, turned goodness. out, the books were great, so. Yeah. <laughs> Let's look at the bright side. Yes. Well, I think we'll be feeling better a month from now when yes. hopefully at least the pilot script will be in good shape. So like that will be in place and then we can do everything else, which is much more normal. Yes. Then everything really will be manageable. It's really just getting the script done. Yeah. And I think, Sarah, the way, well, one, I'm remembering our new uh, motto, which is that the show is a laborious lark. Yes. Is, I'm trying to keep some whimsy in here. And you have texted me that, I will say. At times when I've been like, oh, you just go text me. It's a laborious lark. <laughs> yes. And just I'm I'm trying to do the thing where I do focus on one thing at a time. Like instead of worrying about the other things, I am trying to be present in what I'm doing at that moment. Um, as opposed to like doing something while also feeling anxiety about what I'm not doing. And that is helping me. Uh, maintain sanity. I'm also sort of have told Adam he could let me know when I turn into a raging uh, asshole. So <laughs> that's good. So I feel like I'm holding up. Yeah, I think the sort of de facto time blocking that we are mm, yes. kind of being required to do actually does really help. Yes, I think it really does. Well, we want to know, how do you handle it when you're getting pressure from all sides? Let us know. Send us an email or voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Sarah, speaking of pressure from all sides, coming up, we've got a mailroom question about how we make a show. But first is break. Okay. 
Okay, Liz, it's time for the mailroom, which means we are going to answer a listener question. This question comes from Nancy. She wrote, Hi, Liz and Sarah. I'm curious to know about other details of a show, like who decides what cars will be in it, who picks the props, food, beverages, etc. in the kitchen. Do you hire all the people behind the scenes, etc.? That is a big question, Nancy. Yes. The short answer is we do all of it, but we have a lot of help. Yes. So it starts with the director, who we don't have a director yet for our pilot, but hopefully we will soon. So a lot of what you see on screen is a collaboration, I would say, between us and then the director, like picking cars and picking props, et cetera. But underneath that, there's someone who's in charge of that. So there is a prop person whose only job it is to get is to get props. And there is the picture car person who shows you pictures of cars. Yeah. And I have to say, prop people tend to be like our favorite people in the whole world because they are just so like (laughs) indomitable. It's just like they just keep going and they're they're like they have to be one, like incredibly creative, but then also incredibly flexible. And they just have like the coolest ideas. And they're like, okay, that doesn't work. Coming back with something else. Okay, that doesn't work. Coming back with something else. It's it's an ongoing process. And they also have a truck, usually, that has like a million props on it, which they can just go to and pick out a prop. (laughs) Yes. And then we, you know, we work with a costume designer who you have a conversation with them. We have like the most wonderful costume, as you know, Allison Fanger. We've talked to her before. We have the most wonderful costume designer. And, you know, we have a conversation with Allison about sort of conceptual stuff. And now she's going off and she's going to come back with something that I'm sure we'll just blow us away. And then she will have a whole department. Like there are so many departments with multiple people in them. We have a casting director. You know, we have a locations manager. Of course, there's the line producer. Um, who we will have to have Francis, our line producer on the podcast, Sarah, when we're in um, Puerto Rico, because she yes. is a force of nature. Yes. And she is the person who kind of brings everyone in and makes sure that everything is working on every level. I mean, and this is why that why I love television. You know, yeah. I love teams. I love collaborating. I love people. So it truly is a collaborative medium. And the thing is, if any one person drops the ball, it truly affects the whole. So even someone who you think, oh, well, I mean, props is just one small part of it. But if you're in a scene and you don't have the props, it ruins the entire scene. So every single person is absolutely critical to making a great show, which is why, frankly, it's so hard to make a great show. That's why we call it lightning in a bottle. So many things have to come together. Yeah. Yes. And I think often, like, the locations department doesn't get enough credit for the incredible work that they do. Production designers, I mean... Oh, my gosh. ...absolutely change the entire tenor of a show. And they can make a location that you just like walk in and you think, oh my God, this is like, uh, this is impossible. And they can turn it into something brilliant. And like locations people find, you know, you give them something very specific and then they will search, like it seems like the world to find (laughs) the place that works the best for what you need. And sometimes they'll come back with something you never would have thought of. And you're like, oh my God, that's brilliant. 
Yeah. So just going to what you're saying about a, a collaboration, it's just so invigorating when you have a team that's all working together to put something really cool on the screen. Yeah, and we're having a lot of fun because we have a lot of females on our team, and um, that is fun for us because it's different. On The Fix, we had a lot of women, um, and now on Fantasy Island, we have a lot of women, and we love men, but working with women is really fun for us. Yes, it is. Okay, well, thank you, Nancy, for that question. And I have to tell you that if you're interested in this, you know, we're going to be in Puerto Rico. We're going to be doing podcasts from there. I'm sure we'll be talking about a lot of the details about how we make a show because that's what we're going to be doing. So listen up um, in the weeks to come and you will learn more, more than you probably ever wanted to know. (laughs) Okay, Sarah, it is time for Hits and Bombs because Hollywood is all about big hits and big bombs. But today we've just got two hits because we're a year into the pandemic and we don't feel like giving a bomb to ourselves (laughs) or anyone else. We just want to be positive. Yes, God. Um, So, Liz, this week you have a hit. You have a pop culture hit. And I have a sweet personal hit. Why don't you start? Okay. My hit is for a show called It's a Sin. It's a Sin on HBO Max. Um, It's about a group of gay men and their friends who lived through the AIDS crisis. It's created by Russell T. Davies, who also created the show Queer as Folk, which was an amazing show about a group of gay friends. It's a Sin is set in London from 1981 to 91. Um, It's only five episodes. So it really spans just when people started getting sick and no one even associated it at first with gay people. Then it was the gay flu. Then it was the, you know, people were just learning what it was and how you got it. Yeah. And then through really the movement to get attention and medicine and when AZT started and all these things. So it's really interesting. It's also really emotional. It also just as a television show is extremely entertaining. Um, And I really just thought it was interesting to watch against the backdrop of COVID, which obviously, thank God, isn't as deadly, but it's, you know, a pandemic. Also, Sarah, one kind of uplifting thing I will say about watching Mm -hmm. It's a Sin is that it really shows how far we've come with LGBTQ rights. I mean, in 1981, people were still, you know, being rejected by their family, you know, if they were gay. Frankly, I'm sure they still are, but much less so. So anyway, it's just a fantastic show. It, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's a sin on HBO Max. Now, Sarah, what is your personal sweet hit? (laughs) This is a very small hit, but it's been so sweet and meaningful. Okay, so every night we brush our teeth together, and I, for eight and a half years, have been putting toothpaste on Violet's toothbrush. (laughs) (laughs) And this week, she started putting the toothpaste on my toothbrush. I walked into the bathroom, and like she had already put the toothpaste on my toothbrush, and it was so heartwarming and nice. Now, do you think it's because she knows that you're stressed that she wanted to do a little something for you? I think so, because it was interesting. I emailed you and said, and I CC'd Kimberly and said, what about this for a hit? And Kimberly emailed me and she said, that's so funny. When I was a kid, I used to put the toothpaste on my mom's toothbrush when she was stressed. Oh, and I interesting. Was like, yeah, it's like a small little thing that kids can do. 
first I was like, dang, I need to control my stress and hide my stress a little bit better. But then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, anyway, it's just been so nice. And then I told her that I was going to give her a hit. So I'm sure she'll be listening. So thank you, Violet. <laughs> Go, Violet. You know what? It's the little things. A little gesture of love can change your whole day. It's really true. Coming up, we've got a Hollywood hack that very well might increase the amount of microwave popcorn you eat. First, this break. Okay, Liz, finally it is time for this week's Hollywood hack. And this is something you've been talking about for years, and I finally (laughs) used it, and I was just like, oh, my God. Okay, I can't believe it's not butter spray. Which is not to be confused with the plain old, I can't believe it's not butter spread. The spray part (laughs) of this is key. Yes, very key. Okay, so this started, you told me about using this on popcorn. You do microwave popcorn. I do air-popped popcorn. It's like, oh, I, what took me so long? I know, Sarah, when I, the first time I did this, sprayed, I can't believe it's not butter spray on my popcorn. I mean, I was, if I could do cartwheels, I would have been doing (laughs) cartwheels because it was so delicious It's no calories. I know we don't like to think about calories, but it's no calories. I learned about this from our fellow TV writer, Lisa Randolph, who we adore. She on the show Dollhouse introduced me to the many wonders of I can't believe it's not butter spray (laughs) because she would be like toasting a bagel and then she'd be like spraying it. And I was like, what is that? It's so, it looks so unnatural. Yeah. Uh, but sure enough, I do it on my toast. Um, I always have at least one open bottle of, I can't believe it's not butter spray in my fridge and one unopened bottle because I wow. cannot risk Sarah being without, I cannot believe it's not butter spray. So I keep it well stocked. Nice. No, when I have, you know, I've been air popping a lot of popcorn up here because it's like a nice cozy thing to have in front of the fire. And it's fine, but it doesn't taste all that great. It's so, you know, and so we've been putting like melting butter and putting butter on it and you just feel kind of gross. Like when I have real butter on popcorn, it's just like after a certain point. And this, you're just like spray, spray, spray. And then if there's a spot you missed, you just spray, spray, spray. It's (laughs) so amazing. I know. I mean, I think in this time, we really have to embrace (laughs) small things that make us happy. I know. this brings me an, it's like an unreasonable amount of joy. I was just thinking that as we're talking, like, oh my God, I cannot believe how much we can wax on poetically about, (laughs) I can't believe it's not butter spray. We may have truly lost our minds at this point, but you know, (laughs) gratitude, people, gratitude. That's right. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, king of remote recording. It's going to get a lot more remote, Sarah, when we're in Puerto Rico. Indeed. And thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts. Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing with Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. 
Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at sfain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a laborious lark. And we enjoy it. Did you notice that I just like laughed through that entire segment? <laughs> I, I did. I did notice that. I'm just like, I can't stop laughing. It's all so ridiculous. The only thing to do is laugh. It's an absurd undertaking. <laughs> and yet, here um, we are. It's a, labor- a laborious lark. That's right. T-shirt. From the Onward Project.